0: Before we head into today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a process that I've gone through since recording this episode. My guest in this episode is Eddie Koffeltz, and we started talking about the podcast he does, the New Activist podcast, and a guest that he had on, Austin Channing Brown, the author of the book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. As we were talking about it, I heard myself say twice that I had not read the book, but continued to try to have a conversation about it. And when I listened back, I <laughs> I realized that I was not living up to my, my the mission of my own podcast. Retreat House podcast is about listening to other people's stories. It's about bringing people to the table. And I was not doing that. And so I, I wanted to let you know I, even as, as much as I wanted to edit those things out, I have left them in. And I want you to know that I did go and read her book. And actually, she after I read the book, she was speaking here in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I was able to go and hear her speak as well. And uh, I'm so glad that and grateful that I have to listen back to my podcast and had to listen back to to hear what I was saying because I could have missed it very easily. I will make sure that all the information about her book is in the show notes. If it's a book that you would like to read, I highly recommend it. And I really appreciated uh, what what Eddie had to say about how he processed interviewing her, Austin Channing Brown, and and her book is about racial reconciliation and her experience as a black woman growing up in in the church and growing up in America. And, you know, my question was that I was asking very awkwardly, how was that for you as a white man to interview her about that topic? And which I finally kind of got out and his answer was as humble as I would expect from Eddie Koffeltz. So it was a great conversation. I loved recording this episode, had so much fun, and I hope that you have as much fun listening to it as well. So let's head into the episode. Welcome to the Retreat House podcast. I'm your host, Angie Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. I am thrilled about this episode. I um, have a guest today who who I have watched. They are a podcaster and I have watched them do their thing on podcasts and have really appreciated the way they do their thing and the way that they interview people and honor people and the way that they interview them. And I've heard bits of history and have always wanted to know how did you get from point A to point B? And today, hopefully, we're going to get all those questions answered. So I am so So, so grateful to welcome Eddie Koffeltz to the podcast. Welcome, Eddie. Yes.
1: Yes, this is fun. I I would like to say right off the bat a few things that I'm very impressed with uh, about your podcasting ability. One, you just did the whole introduction right there in front of me like li- live I don't even know oh. if you were reading it you were just no. talking yeah <laughs> oh, oh my gosh I when I do the introductions for my podcast mm-hmm. it's like a 2 hour process of like okay let's <laughs> let's say that differently I would never do it in front of the guest and you oh. just did it perfectly I mean that is a real skill
0: well I was at liberate and you were doing the new activist which we'll talk about a little bit later and <laughs> but you... I was
1: reading and sweating the whole time it was <laughs> terrible it was, it was it was I had no cool about it <laughs> you were cool
0: I was in the second row I didn't see sweat
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm grateful to be. Oh, yeah! You made it into the live uh, onto the picture on Instagram. I think yeah, you were like leaning in, weren't you?
0: Yeah, I was leaning into the aisle. The one with Jeremy Courtney. So,
1: oh man, that guy.
0: Yeah. Oh, we could talk the whole time about him. And yeah, about he he's is doing really something. Yeah.
1: Well, it's a privilege to be on your show. This is neat to get to be interviewed. I am very rarely on this side of the microphone, so I hope to serve the process well. <laughs> <I hope> <laughs> interesting. <laughs> like, well, you have that guy on?" Yeah, I it's hard it. to
0: talk about yourself, isn't it? Sometimes. Oh my gosh
1: extremely hard, almost to a, to a fault. My most nerve wracking moment in my life continually is like when I'm ever in a, in a group and mm-hmm. they're like, hey, let's just go around the circle and do a quick introduction of yourself. I mean, I would way rather talk in front of thousands of people or mm-hmm. give a sermon than do that moment. It is really nerve wracking. And there's probably a lot of psychology to that. And you'll probably <laughs> cover it, but it is a weird thing. Uh,
0: okay. So these are the things that I know about your story. You were a pastor And now you work for IJM, you were on Relevant Podcast, and now you have your own podcast, New Activist, um, with IJM. So what I want to know, and if you want to go back farther than this, that's fine too, how did you get from being a pastor to podcasting and working with IJM? And also in that, will you also include a little bit about what you do at IJM?
1: Absolutely. Well, I I will rewind a little bit of it because the thread – well, you know, you're always like looking at your life or I'm looking at my life in the rearview mirror trying to figure mm-hmm. out like, oh, wow, that thread started. That thread started right. when I was a <laughs> junior in high school, when I was <laughs> in Boy Scouts, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's just neat how I mean, you know, I don't know the people that are listening. If they believe the thread is God moving through their life or if they feel that it's luck or just the cosmos aligning, I I go with that, you know, God has been moving me in a direction that made no mm-hmm. sense. To my parents, <laughs> or to people that paid for my education, or mm-hmm. even to me, a lot of the time. But, um, but there is a thread through it. So I feel like the the best place to pick up the thread is actually right before I was a pastor. I was a pastor in Orlando, but right before I was a pastor, I went to school for counseling, and so I, I do have my degree in oh, okay. counseling, and was <laughs> and was a counselor uh, for a few years. And uh, my first counseling job, and really my only full time counseling job, was I was a uh, I I was in um like social services in Seattle. And so I had guys that were in the foster care system to get me as their counselor. They were at the end of their, their time in foster care. So they were all 16, 17, 18. And I think it was there that like the lenses were shifted to that things are not as they should be in the world. Mm -hmm. And it was just a real jolting experience because these guys were because of their particular situation, not because they were in foster care, but because of their particular lives, they had stories that were beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. And it was Mm -hmm. a real shattering kind of experience for me. And so I kind of had that experience. And so I held on to that. And I don't know what that means in the grand scheme of things. But then I Mm -hmm. come back to Orlando, where Brianne, my wife and I knew we were going to live and, you know, we'd grown up there and all that good stuff. And Started and was asked, you know, I was approached by a pastor who's a really good friend of mine He said hey our church is growing. We're becoming a multi-site church to that end Our main campus is now a multi-site one of many sites and we need a site pastor. Would you like to be a site pastor? Okay, and so my job at summit was uh, summit church my job at summit was sort of like Splitting the traditional senior pastor role. I did all the pastoral care and counseling So that's how it came into it and did a lot of like care of the staff things of that nature well after a while i started to do i was like the announcements guy because mm-hmm. i would make the senior pastor laugh and I, he thought well if you go up into the announcements maybe you can just be goofy mm-hmm. and sure enough i used it as my you know platform to do 5 minutes of stand up and also get some announcements <laughs> out um, so so that's where i kind of got into public speaking but at the same time there was there was still that thing that was happening inside of me that the world was not as it should be like mm-hmm. there was still that kind of understanding from that time as a counselor, and there was sort of, I mean, I think, first of all, interrupt me if I'm just monologuing for too long, but I think that like, everybody has, or at least the people that that I've interviewed on The New Activist, there's kind of a a moment where you just, the blinders are off, and you realize there's a lot happening in the world that, you know, Mm -hmm, in my mm -hmm. little world, being a student at the University of Florida and a high school student, and I just didn't, I wasn't exposed to it. So all through that time as a pastor, I became, and it was about a four-year process, and then it ended, and we can talk about that if mm-hmm. you want. But there was a, an increasing awareness of, you know, the homeless population and mm-hmm. all of the injustices that were happening around the world. Continued r- systemic injustices, racial injustice—I mm-hmm. mean, just all kinds of injustices—and it.
0: Yeah, it's overwhelming
1: overwhelming. I mean and it's it, and, it's easy yeah. to
0: kind of get paralyzed of this is so okay. big like how do I even how do I even make a difference or how do I even step toward it?
1: Oh yeah and um, increasingly as a pastor as I grew in that role and just matured as a person because at this time I'm going from I don't know 29 years old to about 35 and so it mm-hmm. was those were the years of what I would consider like I broke out of my I mean I'm still pretty selfish but broke out of my general selfishness about mm-hmm. the world and started to like see everything including just doing pastoral care for the church you know you have a couple that's been sitting right side second row you've served them communion every single week they're just lovely and then one day they come in and their marriage has been in shambles for Mm. years and their kid has killed himself and it's Mm. just this terrible like oh my gosh there was just an exposure to the brokenness of the world but at the same time it wasn't all bad it was like there was hope to it too Mm -hmm. there was people recovering from addiction and there were families being restored and there were college students that were just going through. It was just like an amazing time. So I saw the the kind of both sides of it, both the brokenness and the hope. And so that was sort of the early that was sort of the early kind of move into being a pastor what was the rest of your question? Am I supposed to keep going? Oh, <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> no, that's good. Well, I just want to kind of reflect back to you that that I didn't know that you were a counselor before, and that makes a lot of sense about the way that I hear you approaching people and interviewing Funny. people because it's so it's so other focused, and you do it with such humility. Like you've had some guests on the new activists that are that are doing that are doing hard things. Okay, well, I'm just going to say it, and if I have to edit yeah. it out, I will. Yeah, it's okay. You had um, Austin Brown on.
1: Yeah.
0: Talking about I'm Still Here, her book. Yeah. And which I haven't read yet, but it's on my list. And to be a white man interviewing her and the topic that she's talking about, mm-hmm. and you hand and and I felt like the book, which I haven't. I mean, just hearing her interview, I felt like I was kind of get getting punched in the face. And But I didn't want to disengage, and and I really appreciated the way that you interviewed her. I mean, especially, like, with the knowledge that you are a a, a white man hearing these things. Does that – am I making sense?
1: It it does. No, it does. And I will say, like, I don't – you know, that particular interview, I was really close to not doing that interview because I thought I'm not the person – That needs to be sitting here Mm -hmm. in a place of power, i.e. host of a show, producer, Mm -hmm. editor of a show. I I don't need to be sitting. This is this is like against the this is (laughs) this feels like I'm 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 just not the right person to be doing Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of the day, I thought, but if we can do this, right, it could be a spectacular fail. But if we can do this, well, then I'm going to be able to like I will learn something in this. And maybe the people listening will as well. And then what really helps is Austin Channing Brown, who wrote that book, is just funny Mm -hmm. and sweet and (laughs) just so good at making her points that it really was like the moment we were doing like the pre-interview and just talking for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, this is this is going to be a good conversation. But it does come from there is a lot that you learn in counseling about how to really listen in a way that actually is not <laughs> normal to do right okay. so we're always like you, you it's, it's a skill listening is a skill and it mm-hmm. is not a skill that I do well which is why I'm uncomfortable in this moment because <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to be talking right I, I yeah, should right. be asking listening, the questions right. I don't I should be pulling out of it you know mm-hmm. but it was like I just felt like in that interview and in opportunities I've had in the new activist where it hasn't been easy or there have been interviews and I won't say who but there have been interviews where it's like it hasn't been they like they haven't been too into being there. It seems like mm. they were just told by their PR people to do it or something like that. But just you kind of lean on those old skills. So I'm going to reflectively listening. Mm, I'm going to mm-hmm. be empathetic. I'm going to trust that the person is the expert of their own story. Like all of these things that if you can just put aside your own, you know, there's like yes. hair standing up on the back of your neck or something like that. If you could just be present in it and let them be the expert of what they're talking about. It seems to work out. But yeah. yeah
0: and, they, I mean, they, if if we could have more conversations like that. I think that's imp- would be I think that would make a change. I mean, I really think that could change the world. And what I appreciated was the way that that conversation happened and what that modeled. Like, let's uh, come to the table, let's let's talk. Let's talk about the hard stuff and have yeah. grace and humility in the process and that at least as a listener. That's what I was gathering, which now knowing a little bit more about your past that that makes sense. That makes sense of why it was that way.
1: Yeah. Well, I I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you listening to the show. And I also think that you do it as an interview. Like this is, this is our job when we're interviewing people not to be the expert. We are just Mm -hmm. a representative in that moment of our audience. And so Mm -hmm. we try to sit there and just anticipate our audience's needs and Mm -hmm. desires in that moment. And so I kind of wish I wasn't a white guy in that conversation, but there I am. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of white guys listening to that conversation. And so what can we do to move the ball forward? If we're able to just hear her right. not try to talk into speak over mm-hmm. alleviate our own mm-hmm. guilt i actually there's a huge regret i have about that conversation Are we talk about we can talk about yeah that. sure we'll I, go there
0: if you want to go there we'll go there
1: and, and i don't remember if i edited it out or not huh i don't remember well if it's there then you heard it and if i edited it out and you didn't hear it but there was a part where i got emotional i have never broken in an interview ever i i try to stay pretty like not neutral but kind of journal journalistic mm-hmm. try to not vacuum up the emotion let the audience feel what they're feeling and I'm just their conduit for getting their questions asked but I did the last moment of that last quarter of that interview I got emotional and I had to stop and she had to like she was very sweet she's like can I ask you what's upsetting you and I kind of explained it to her and it was just more of like the you know (laughs) feeling junky that she had this book to write at all you Mm -hmm, know right I always regret I I think I edited it out I must have but I always I always regretted that because I felt like in that moment I didn't want to Pull the energy; it's her, her Mm -hmm. thing. But I always, I always think about that. But I was grateful because she was such a trusted and kind friend in that moment that it was like, oh man, this is more than just a sharing of ideas. This was like friends sitting down and trying to figure out something that's really hard to figure
0: out. Mm -hmm. You are a pastor, pastor. yes. (laughs) And then, and then, so how did you move to IJM or get involved with IJM? And what? And then, for listeners who don't know what IJM is, we tell us a little bit about that too.
1: Well, we'll start with the the big thesis. Mm -hmm. IJM is uh, the world's largest NGO that is dedicated to ending slavery. According to the Walk Free Foundation, there are about 40 million people in Mm -hmm. slavery today. And we're talking actual people being owned by other people being abused. And IJM works around the globe in some of the poorest places around the world to help end slavery. And the model by which we do this is kind of complex, but the very basic version of it is We have found a model where we can take a justice system that has basically rusted to a stop Mm -hmm. and we figure out and we know how to restart a justice system because slavery is illegal everywhere in the world, but it is not always enforced. So there are not always police looking for children who are being sold in brothels. There are not always investigators that are looking for whole families that are working in brick kilns. Mm -hmm. It's just been a part of culture for so long. So what we do at IJM is we wake up the justice system and what we have seen in the places where we have the opportunity to work has been uh, pretty astonishing. Um I think we are at at this point somewhere around 40,000 people that we have seen directly rescued and we have seen millions of people protected because once the justice system starts it's not just about ending the individual cases of slavery. It is about we see whole, whole countries change really. And so mm-hmm. that's IJM. That's the work we get to do. But for the transition between church and IJM, you want the short version or do you want the long version? Both of them. <laughs> you you choose.
0: I don't know. What's more interesting.
1: I'll go with okay. the medium version. Okay. Um, so part of working there as a pastor, uh, we had a, just a significantly difficult season in the church. And by difficult, I, I, um, I want to be careful because this is still people's stories, but I will say that what was very public was that our senior pastor he had to step down from his role and his position, and was in the middle of just really some very, very difficult choices that our church mm-hmm. had to reconcile uh, his life and and what was happening with those difficult choices, and that began kind of a two year season of that church going through really difficult time. It was mm-hmm. just health for everyone. Mm-hmm. And and eventually, about a year after he stepped down, he ended up uh, taking his own life. And so that launched the church into another year of
0: oh my kind of
1: unbelievable, just tragedy and sorrow and loss. I will say real quick, on the flip side, the church is extremely helpful, healthy today. Mm-hmm. They have both mourned the loss and processed the hope that comes from being the church in these kinds of situations really mm-hmm. beautifully. And so there's definitely an upside to it, but it was a hard couple of years.
0: Well, and you were the well, care pastor in the midst of it. I this.
1: was, I was, yeah. So I uh, gained a ton of weight and had migraines every weekend, and oh, it was just goodness. a really excruciating process. And through it all, and and I mean, not just for me, I, I, for well, everyone. Right, right. From from the person that was a casual attender to someone mm-hmm. that was deep in staff to his family, to everything. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. this is not what was designed for. This is not what God had in mind no. when he invented the church. And it was just terribly sad. And, you know, everybody listening has had to reconcile difficult times. And
0: so this mm-hmm. was just a difficult time. And difficult, difficult times time. at they're, the they're, church. I mean, that's right. it's, oh, full, of, yeah. it's full of people. So
1: Totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, what was crazy is that the week that – We had to announce that he resigned. We were supposed to have a guest speaker that week, and that guest speaker was Gary Haugen, the founder of IJM. And we had to cancel on Gary, and understandably, he was very gracious, and Mm -hmm. we had to announce to the church that our senior pastor had stepped down, and then, you know, we're in DEFCON 5 for the next year. Mm -hmm. And so we reschedule, and we reschedule another speaker from IJM, and that was the week that our pastor had died.
0: Oh, my god. So
1: the second week that IJM is supposed to come, we have to announce this. And the guest speaker is a friend named Larry Martin. And Larry's not on staff with Jam anymore. He retired. But uh, he said, no, I'm going to still come if it's okay with you guys. I'll just delay a week. And we're like, you can come, man, and be the guest speaker. But mm-hmm. you're walking into a really sad, broken church. Right. And Larry got up there. And, you know, I'm the – guy introducing him. So mm-hmm. I'm learning about IJM as I'm introducing him. I mean, I'm truly like going on the IJM website, copy and pasting mm-hmm, right. the paragraph, and going, IJM is the world's largest NGO. Like, I have no mm-hmm. idea what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of our church, just feeling the crushing weight of loss, Larry gets up there and says, there's more slaves now than there have ever been. And we have a plan to end slavery and we need your help. And what was absolutely incredible were two things. Primarily. The church that had felt so sad mm-hmm. had remembered in a moment why they were the church. Mm. Like, like it was like, oh, we can as a collected body of people that are mourning, that are sad, where things are broken, and we don't know why we exist, and we don't know what the heck this is all about. We can do something, and so by doing these things, by praying, or becoming a freedom partner, and all these little, you know, the things mm-hmm. that I, James, ask you to do. Like, we can collectively do a thing, so let's do a thing. And so mm-hmm. the church just rallied, and honestly, they gave a bunch of money to IJM, and they still do. They they give a ton. <laughs> they've given staff. They've prayed. prayed. Wow. But the second thing that happened was I'm sitting there introducing them, and somewhere around the fourth or fifth service, I finally hear the sermon. You know, I've heard mm-hmm. it a couple times, but I finally, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: dig in, and the kind of the floor drops out of my life, and I go, oh, I... I've got to help with this. There's slaves. And I'm glad (laughs) I didn't hear the sermon just once. I got to hear it over and over and over again. I'm going to help. And so I started to volunteer with IJM. And then the speaker, Larry, like I said, retired. And when he retired, he said, hey, would you like to take my job? And so my job with IJM is going to churches and telling them and speaking and talking about what is happening in the world with slavery. And so it's like one of those threads, like I said at the beginning, it doesn't make much sense, but it totally makes sense when I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? Well,
0: in hindsight, you totally. can go back and see it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Wow. So that's the long story. And um, and so my role with IJM is twofold. I, Well, I basically speak on behalf of IJM. So it's going to be everything from the big Liberate conference where you and I were at mm-hmm. to I'm speaking at a little Bible study in Boston this weekend. It's just anywhere where people want to know about what is happening in the world, and how they can be a part of the solution. Mm -hmm. I'm part of a kind of a speaker team that is called Church Mobilization, and we just try to serve the church. And then the other thing I do for IJM is podcast, writing, a bunch of stuff that kind of goes out to the church in Mm -hmm. the U.S. and internationally. So I count it as a great privilege to get to be able to still serve the church, but also be a part of IJM.
0: Right. If someone wanted to or a church wanted to have you or one of the IJM speakers come, how would they, where would they go to? To make that happen
1: oh yeah ijm.org i okay. mean there's and you can request a speaker and it goes right to i mean i know who it goes to it's my friend thad and okay. he looks at him and sends <laughs> oh, it that's out who
0: i who you were when yeah, yeah. i met you thad. okay yeah
1: yeah that's right and yeah and we have people all over the country who just are some of the best people and best mm-hmm. speakers that i know and are passionate about getting to stand up and chat you don't have to pay us. Like even if you're a small church of like four hundred people mm-hmm. and that's like still a good sized church, but even if you feel like, oh, I couldn't get a guest speaker to fly in mm-hmm. from D yes, you can. We know that every single time we get the opportunity to be in a pulpit and to talk for thirty minutes about God's heart for justice mm-hmm. and IJM's plan to be a small part of that. We, we know what happens. We see people get freed mm-hmm. because of that four hundred person church.
0: Right. Yeah. And the Liberate Conference was a beautiful combination of The weight of the problem. No, that's right. But not hopeless either. Just the hope. And I'll never forget the moment when Gary Haugen got up to speak at the end. And there were 4,000 people and someone had said, if everybody puts their fingers up and wiggles their fingers, that will will represent the people who were... John Ortberg.
1: The pastor John Ortberg got up and said that. Yeah.
0: And so then... And because when speakers would get up everybody would clap and cheer and then when yeah. gary got up there there was this silence and then you saw oh, all these fingers wiggling and oh, he man. doubled over up in front and all of a sudden i was like oh here comes oh yeah me. i mean cry. it was amazing
1: is... yeah it was kind of like seeing your dad cry yeah. or something it was like when gary was like over we were all overcome by it but he's so i i had just never seen that it was just a that moment was beautiful on so many levels. And I liked that moment because it wasn't like, a, hey, good job, Gary. It was, look at us in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, this this mattered. This was not just a party. This was not just a random celebration. Like, this mattered to the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the right. world. It was, It yeah. was pretty phenomenal. Yeah.
0: Such a beautiful, beautiful conference.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: So you've been working with IGM and yep. you're doing uh, one of the things that you do for them too is the New Activist podcast. Yes. So yes, ma'am. I want to hear a little bit more about how that came to be. and
1: Yeah. We were mm-hmm. in a meeting a couple years ago and it was just with our church mobilization team. And the guy that leads our team, Mike, just asked a very basic question. And it was sort of like a it was like kind of a throwaway meeting and a throwaway question um, that, you you know, you just attend a million meetings. But he said, hey, if there are any groups of folks that are sort of in your sphere of influence that you feel like would like to hear about IJM but haven't, let's try to work on getting networks. And so people are like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was – I grew up Presbyterian and I went to Presbyterian camp. And so, I could pro- yeah, I probably have some Presbyterian friends. It was just a real basic like trying to network so that – honestly, so that people can – know that there's a slave in the world and do something about it Mm -hmm. so we're reaching out to our networks and at that point I had been on the relevant podcast for a bunch of years and uh I was like I have this weird network of like podcast people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like (laughs) it's an odd network to tap but if we could ever figure out a way to do podcast stuff I think I think I could I think there's I think there are people waiting to listen Mm -hmm. and so we kind of had that idea in our back pocket but it's like oh you know, a podcast is kind of a weird thing, like, who's listening? And at Mm -hmm. the time, it wasn't as popular, it was sort of just post serial. And so like, your general person had not heard a podcast, but Mm -hmm. it was starting to become a real viable medium. And so at the same time, and again, this is the needle of like, God threading the needle Mm -hmm. throughout life, that Barna book came out called Unchurched. Mm. And at the time, the stats were that, and I'm going to get the exact stats wrong, but I'm like within a percentage point or two. But the stat that basically ran the book was speaking of millennials of every millennial that calls themselves, that identifies as a Christian 52% of them and maybe 51 or 53%, but a majority of them do not go to church. Mm. And the idea is that this is the first generation recorded where a majority of the Christians are not attending a church service. And I thought, and and then the follow-up to it is like, well, where are they getting the material? Like, mm-hmm. how are they doing it? And Rob Bell, whatever people think of him, mm-hmm. Rob Bell had a great quote that said, a church kind of find a, finds a way to bubble up. Mm-hmm. So even if they're not attending a Sunday gathering, they're still meeting, you know, Friday night at a bar to talk about this. And right. then they're meeting with a group of friends on this night. And they're mm-hmm. kind of like, it's not the full church experience, but they're still, there's something. And one of them is... They're listening to a zillion podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so every big pastor in America is on the top hundred of podcasts. What if we started an IJM podcast? And we really talked about what would it look like to start an IJM podcast and to get into that network. And so the idea of the show is that we expose people to the work of justice that's happening all through justice spheres. Mm -hmm. We have talked about a bunch of stuff from food equality, to racial inequality, to immigration. I mean, we, of course, we talk about slavery. We've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, I mean, certainly not everything, but we've talked about a lot of things over our 40-something shows. But what we've found is that we also, in the show, get to talk about the work of IJM, you know, we and people mm-hmm. end up hearing about the work of IJM and the opportunity to end slavery because they tuned in to listen to whatever, the Tony Hale interview or the propaganda interview, mm-hmm. like, and so it was a church mobilization strategy and it's been incredibly hard and really fun (laughs) to get to be a part of it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Say a little bit more about the hard.
1: Well, predominantly it's a, it is technically, it was Mm. a real technical challenge Mm -hmm. just to figure out how to, I mean, I didn't know what kind of mic to buy. I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to edit the show. And so I'm the only one doing the show and I love it because it's plenty of resources being diverted to me to be able to do that. But it was just, there's a real technical piece of it. And then the other piece of it is always, is this serving Mm -hmm. IJM well? And is this, is this, I, I, you know, I'm just always asking myself, is this doing its job? Mm -hmm. And it is. So there were people at this conference that you and I keep talking about that had never heard of IJM that were there because they had run across the new activist a year ago. Then they found out about IJM, then they were all on board and then they're here at the conference. And so like, it's working, but you know, there's a, it's a hard part of like, there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts in the world. Why mm-hmm. create another one? And can I actually do it better? And why should I be hosting it? You know, you get into all your own like insecurity, yeah. like oh, somebody yeah, I should know. host it. Yep, yeah, oh, I hear you. Yeah. Get it right? I hear you. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah.
0: totally.
1: Yeah. Totally. Like, why should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. You felt that, or have you felt that? I'm saying. Yeah. It. No, yeah. I ha-
0: I totally yeah. totally also because I don't have IJ. IG- I don't mean to make this about me. I don't have a IJM behind me. You? Do you know what I mean? I totally. I'm and I'm not a. I'm not a big-name author or anything like that, but and I think what I like about The New Activist is that Retreat House is about bringing people to the table to hear their story.
1: Yeah, which I love.
0: And when we hear each other's stories, we learn more about ourselves, about the world, Mm -hmm. and about God. And I finally decided, okay, well, if I can make space that someone can listen in on on a conversation and be encouraged or be challenged or be pushed even maybe toward something that God is calling them to do then right then that will be a success.
1: And you've done a beautiful job with it, but it's hard okay. to get to that. It is. To it, be- to believe that's true, to believe that you can be the person that helps navigate people there mm-hmm. and to just technically f- figure out how to do it, and <laughs> to make a podcast, it's <laughs> yeah. like a whole it's yeah. a whole thing to start a show and to market a show and to stay on the treadmill of it and mm-hmm. get guests. It's like a whole to do.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: And you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks, it's amazing
0: yeah I so, appreciate the new activist. oh, thank you. Is there anything that we haven't uh, talked about that
1: oh my gosh I, I mean, I feel like we've talked I've talked way too much about my whole like but I guess that's the thing. we talk about yeah. our story but i
0: <laughs> yeah. oh, there's yeah. one question i you know yeah, so when I first heard you, it was on the new activist <laughs> that was the first time, and I think it was Eugene Cho was he your that first was episode one? episode one okay, yeah, I follow him, and that's how I heard about it. So I listened wow. to the episode, and then I kept listening. So that was that was the Eddie Koffeltz I knew, the new activist Eddie and then right. And I wasn't listening to Relevant podcast yet.
1: <laughs> and then you, I already know where you're going, but ask your question.
0: <laughs> and then I think I heard you on Annie Downs, and yeah. there's a whole thing about, about sandals that will be forever ingrained in my memory of that. And then I went to Relevant, and I was like, wait a minute, is this all the same person?
1: Yeah, I know. So So if if, if somebody hasn't heard those other shows, though, on Relevant, it's a real mix of being kind of serious and talking about the topics of today. But mm -hmm. mostly it's leaning in and being as fun and funny as you possibly ever would want to be. And I had I podcasted with those guys for so long that we were. I, I almost felt sometimes like we were an improv troupe. I would just you, we could we would smell what the other one was about to say, yeah. and we would tee him up, and we were like playing chess moves with each other. And so it was or funny. pounds and then,
0: whatever the situation yeah. might be too <laughs> or pounds that's exactly right. right.
1: So it was very silly and very funny. And then with Annie, it's also she and I are great friends, and just being as funny and honest. It's just all the stuff. I don't know. I think the, I think the truth is, like everybody, we've all got very we got different dimensions of ourselves mm-hmm. and very few podcasts are here's the full everything about me right mm-hmm. so the new activist demands of me and i demand of the design of the show that i dig in and make sure that i'm you know we've got you know 45 minutes up there with right jenny allen mm-hmm. like i could joke with her for 45 minutes which would be fun in a way mm-hmm. or we can get some real content and so i feel like i lean on that whereas with relevant you know, we're recording two hours a week, every week, there's mm-hmm. plenty of time. Right. So let's just be funny. And I just feel like it's like any of us, right? We've mm-hmm. got our serious times. And then we've got like, a let's have a glass of wine and just laugh it up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not drinking wine on any of these other shows. But you know what I'm saying? So right. but it is a funny thing to have, like, it looks like different personas, but it's not it's all
0: right. it's all the different sides.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I which I love. But it's also weird when people know one and not the other because they just assume like, oh, you're super serious because mm-hmm. of the new activists. I'm like, No, actually, I would have to try really hard not to just goof around the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's everything. I cannot think of another thing you don't know about me. (laughs) uh, There probably is, but it's all like, you know, family and children and all that kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) Which you are married and you have kids. I
1: am married. Brienne. she's in law school right now. So we just moved up here while she is in law school. I'm so proud of her. She's rocking Mm. it. And I have two daughters, Eve and Lucy, and they are great friends, and they, I will pick them up from school in a couple hours. Nice. And we make little okay. podcasts here, because my podcast studio is at the house, so we do
0: Oh, very do fun. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to do that with my boys, and we haven't done it yet, mostly because my youngest one, as soon as you put a microphone in his face, he... No sound.
1: Oh, oh clams up? <laughs> yeah,
0: he doesn't say anything. And my other one is really <laughs> soft-spoken, but I thought... I was like, maybe you guys should come on and do a tutorial of Minecraft, or, you know, totally. something that... Yeah,
1: <laughs> even Lucy do not clam up. They are oh. all. In. <laughs> yeah. We have to like edit it down and be like, "Yeah, oh, right, that was good." We don't release the shows, but it's just fun to hear your own voice on the big fancy mm-hmm. mic. So, <laughs> right, so fun. Yeah. Well This is cool. Thanks for asking me all these questions.
0: Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for coming on. It was, you know, no, I've but... when I thought about starting my podcast and had seen what you were doing. I really, the way that you interview people, things I've already talked about, the way that you interview people and honor your guest was something that. I wanted to do I wanted to to listen well and to listen to hear not to listen to prepare for the next thing. I don't always do that well. <laughs> and yes. when I listen back I can oh shoot I wasn't listening well. Um Yeah,
1: but you're listening but back that. which is important, right? And I I appreciate you saying that because I um, don't always feel that way about myself, so it's nice to hear someone echo back, like, here's what I think the point of the show is, and the design mm-hmm. of the show, and it means that in some way it's working, so thank yeah. you for being so kind, yeah. and also, uh, can we talk an embarrassing moment? Yeah. Uh, we can talk about, I- I'm on this show because for the first time ever, for some reason, I just felt, I invited myself on. You did. You, I- and, I'm, yeah. you and I met, and I was like, hey, I heard your Jonathan Merritt interview, because you introduced, you told me about oh, the show, I- but I had, oh I- yeah, I'd heard about the Jonathan Merritt one already.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like,
1: and I was like, hey, can I be on your show? And I asked you, and I later thought to myself, what an incredibly rude thing. Like, maybe she doesn't no, want me on her no, show. You weren't even making inroads <laughs> to invite me, and I just invited myself on. And I still feel embarrassed about that, but I'm so glad I got to do it because I got to hang out with you.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad that you did it because that, that's the one lesson I've been learning is that invite people. Like, make the ask because yeah. they'll say no if they can't, but... You can't assume. I mean, you you asked, which made it really easy for me. And I think, I, I think I kind of fangirled, and I was like, "Yes, absolutely! Oh my gosh!" I was very excited. So, so, it's so nothing funny. to be embarrassed about.
1: Oh man, well, I feel absolved of that embarrassment. Then, thank you. And you're doing a very good job.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, would you answer this question, and if you say no, it's okay. What does okay. what does the word activist mean to you?
1: Oh. I ask that at the end of every show, and I have never been asked the question. I always ask the guest, "What does activist mean?" Sometimes I forget, but well, I'll answer by way of a very fast story. Mm-hmm. I, when I was a pastor, we would part of my job was to do the benediction, and I loved it because you kind of get to put a bow on the whole service, mm. and you get to really think about what what did we just do here the last hour and a half? What Did communion? We we just took communion. We can still taste the bread and wine mm. on our lips. Like there, what do we do now that we're walking out of this place? And I got goofed on a lot because I would end up just say like, please just do something.
0: And <laughs>
1: right. And it was, and it looked like desperation and the, the worship pastor was right to give me that feedback. It looked like I was saying like, please, uh, please engage in some way. It looks desperate. <laughs> but what I was really saying is like, please, for the very core of your being, just Please reject apathy a little Mm -hmm, bit. mm -hmm. Please just do any. It can be the most insignificant. Just please give a homeless person a dollar. Mm -hmm. Please, please Mm -hmm. mow your neighbor's yard. Mm -hmm. Please do anything because I, I just have a sneaking suspicion that me included. Generally, we do nothing. Mm hmm. And we know about all this stuff and we're all woke and we write on Facebook and we talk about elections and we talk about all of this stuff. But I think generally what we actually do is not a thing. Mm-hmm. And I just think that the definition of someone who I would call like a real activist is not necessarily the person that went and started an organization that is ending slavery around the globe. I would say that, and though they are very much an activist, but I mm-hmm. would say of all people who I would look up to as activists are somebody who just did anything,
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just,
1: just a single, anything. It (laughs) seems like such a low bar to set. And maybe in a hundred years, if everybody's all woke and doing something, well, maybe the new definition is it's somebody that starts a nonprofit or something, but that's Mm -hmm. like so many steps from now, if we all just took a little step. So I I really think at the very core of the core, it's, somebody that is willing to do even just the smallest thing to serve someone outside of their own sphere of influence
0: Mm -hmm. i love that the active the active of it
1: i should have been really prepared for that question i have asked it so many times i've never thought (laughs) of an answer i think
0: every yeah every time you ask that it's interesting it makes me well what is it and sometimes it changes and it's interesting and some people don't like the question
1: jeremy courtney when you were there you didn't want to answer it like a lot of people they go back and forth about it how Mm -hmm. the how to answer that question but it's been interesting to hear all the answers someday i want to put the answers together in a show just oh,
0: that would be interesting
1: one big long what is an activist show so. because i
0: think a lot of times people don't see themselves as an, as an activist because it's <laughs> the martin luther king and the gary haugen and the people that are doing the big things I think yeah that's why i like your your definition of it
1: well, that's why we named the show. I mean, the new activist and the website is, you know, new act. Um, this sounds like I'm plugging, but I'm not it's oh. new. Is mm-hmm. like the, the point is like the new activist is you. Mm. It's not the person being interviewed. You are the new activist. It's it's I mean, we can learn from propaganda and Holly Burkholder and Jenny Allen and all these great people, but they're they're actually not who I'm talking about. I'm saying like, you are the new activist. Here's their story. You go and do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I see that coming through in people and I feel like more and more, not just because, not because I'm the activist, but because generally in the world, people are understanding. If I can leverage my life for the sake of other people, even in some small way. Mm-hmm. Like my little, my little corner of the world actually does matter.
0: Mm-hmm. So my questions for my podcast, yeah, I have yeah, two of them. Yeah, yeah. The first yeah. one is because it's called Retreat House, how do you yeah. retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? What does it, it is.
1: Like? Yeah, I have. Well, I mean, I think broadly, and this is like the most generic answer. My wife, Brianne and I need to travel together without children. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> God, we when love you travel our with
0: children, it's a trip. It is not a vacation because you're not vacating anything. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: right. And we have had wonderful trips with our children. Right. But um, I mean, I just think it's a really broad answer. But I think that that's also few and far between because of the demands of life. I think there are two things that I would say have been great for me. One is to lean into my inner like little boy and just be silly. Mm-hmm. So like I will get on and play Xbox tonight with my brother and my friend. I will put on the <laughs> headset. I'll play Xbox from my toes. I will stay up way too late mm-hmm. and I will drink soda. <laughs> right? And I was like, man, it's awesome being 11 right now. It's like totally <laughs> fun. And I've had to be. And I know that that sounds like a real silly answer, but it's been helpful for me not to be, try to be so adult all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like buy sneakers that I wasn't allowed to buy in high school. i just wear cool Nikes out. I know right. that sounds so silly, but it's been <laughs> good to just not be so darn serious and to find little outlets. Um, the second one is I really enjoy woodworking and I hmm. really enjoy getting out in the garage Disconnecting, no podcast, no mm-hmm. nothing. And just very quietly creating something from something else. I like it when my hands are cut a little bit. I like when I'm a little bit sweaty. I like the loud noise, I like all the, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I just find that there is something about creating. There's just something about like, we've got to find our, our artistic outlet and it mm-hmm. used to be podcasting, but now it's a job. So like now, you know, how do I find some sort of creative outlet space? I'm pretty zeroed out if I can get mm-hmm. out for an hour and turn on the planer and cut some things to length and I'll make, yeah. it'll be terrible. Whatever I make, it's not, <laughs> I'm not doing anything that's helpful. If it's ugly it's like, stuff.
0: It's like the shop step stool that you made and junior no, high.
1: It, it totally is. But it's still so just like I, yeah. I, I, I did it. And I, I think that there's value in just to make this answer way too long. Like I finished something, mm, mm, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. our jobs never, like you're, uh, can I? Well, I'll share it. You can edit it out. But like, you're writing right now. Oh, okay. you're never. Are you? Have you shared that out loud with people?
0: Uh, I think I. I think I did on Instagram. No, it's okay because vulnerability is the word that I'm been like. I need to be vulnerable. You're making me nervous, but it's okay, because this is good. Okay,
1: I'm just going to say a thing. Like You're writing. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be done with that, really. You're just going to have to decide to be done. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to turn it in, and then you're going to have to talk about it with people. And it's just this thing, like, in a ministry and in the conversations you have and in conversations about racial reconciliation, we're never done. Mm -mm. Sometimes it's just helpful to do a thing Mm -hmm. and to just feel like... I wanted to cut some things and make a square tonight. I have made a square right. and now I'm done. <laughs> and there's just a real satisfaction in knowing like, broadly our work is never done, but tonight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: tonight in the garage at 11 o'clock when I'm turning off the shop light, I did a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And I made this, I, I made, made this th- thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I And I, it's, it's exactly, it's exactly right. So those two things I find broadly just being silly and trying mm-hmm. to do something that feels creative and that I can actually finish really, really restore a lot of sanity to me.
0: Oh, I love that. And I
1: know your second question. I'm not even ready for it, but go for it. Ask (laughs) ask it anyway. I'm just going to start talking and see what happens.
0: Okay. My second question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would it be?
1: I would say the, I don't know how I would take a photo of it, which is where I'm getting locked in, but the depth to which I enjoy uncomfortable things that like that I will laugh at uncomfortable things. So, for okay. example, the penultimate example is just watching The Office and watching Michael Scott oh just bomb terribly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even like people that are funny that much. I like people that are very, very uncomfortable. And so I, I will frequently seek out, like, if I'm going to go see comedy, I want to see the worst I want to see the open mic that starts at 1 pm in a bowling alley somewhere, <laughs> right? Because you know no one's going to be funny and people aren't going to and people aren't going to know how to laugh and they're going to be dying up there and that is for me as funny as anything could ever possibly be. But it's also pretty weird because I just deeply enjoy the discomfort of others and so I have to find it in a way. <laughs> I have to find it in a way that's not like at the at the uh expense like at the expense of those people Mm -hmm. like you put yourself in that like
0: you got on that stage and went to that open mic
1: there was a show on many years ago and I think it was is there like an ice one of those reality show ice skating shows
0: (laughs) there was like a celebrity one
1: it was that one (laughs) that show and frequently the celebrities would fall on the ice and just like spin around just like bambi just spinning on the ice out of control into the wall Mm -hmm. i've never laughed so hard in my whole life and so i don't know how to take a picture of this celebrate weird but i know that when it comes to the weird part of my soul Mm -hmm. it is watching the discomfort of other people and very very few i mean even just thinking about it i'm kind of out of our interview right now and (laughs) just enjoying how terrible uh how totally terrible it is um you want to hear my weird? Can I tell you one more thing that's been really yeah, weird yes, lately? Yes. My brother and I, and I will not post this for you and I will not share it with you, but you can do it yourself. My brother and I, who has also got that same sense of humor, we will turn on Siri on our phones, you know, so it's it's dictating what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We're calling it the, we call it the Lion King Challenge. So you sing the opening lines of the Lion King song, you know, the one that's like in in <laughs> yeah, language, yeah. but you sing it and you're alone in the car, right? Or whatever. You sing it at the top of your lungs into Siri and then you just send the dictation. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's the weirdest thing in the world. So and then so, like
0: Siri searches, you mean, for it?
1: No, Siri's like dictating the words. So you can say like, hey, Siri, da-da-da-da-da, and it'll just say your words exactly. <laughs> but if you're singing a different language into it, and especially a language it isn't a language because people don't understand the right, words. Right.
0: The mm-hmm.
1: See, now that's weird. Mm-hmm. That's a good weird thing. Yeah, and I and we do it like all the time.
0: Well, and that goes back to the eleven-year-old playing Xbox because my right. my boys who are ten and thirteen actually yeah. take my phone and do something similar, like ask totally. Siri questions or make her say silly stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. and then and that's funny, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to embrace your. The the inner child, before the child got all like messed up, like all in its head and went to counseling for years, just the one that had fun and was silly. I think there's real value in that. I think there's real value to holding on to that which was, you were designed with, which is pure. Not to over theologize Mm -hmm. it, but like we were created in God's image and Mm -hmm. we were created beautiful. My daughters, there is a part of them that I I, like, I hold on so tight because they're seven and six Mm -hmm. and I just hold on so tight because they're just so. Happy, and mm-hmm. they're just—they're not thinking about their hair. They're not thinking—they're mm-hmm. not thinking about. They are just so purely joyful, mm-hmm. and you're like, man, world's going to come at you, and mm-hmm. I want to prevent that from happening, and you know you can't. So I think then part of it is going back and capturing some of that before yeah. that all happened, when it was just
0: Joe Sa- <laughs> Joe Saxton in her book, The Dream totally. of You. Yeah. Asks the question, who were you before everybody told you who you were supposed to be? Yeah, that's exactly how I (laughs) responded the first time she said it. Yeah.
1: No, but that's it. right? That's when we talk about when we talk about playing Xbox. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of the psychology because it's all grown men, all my age, all Mm -hmm. with families and with responsibilities and uh, and we're all just making little boy jokes and playing an xbox and yeah. it's you know you can feel that there's some sort of visceral joy in it that is deeper mm-hmm. than although a lot of people say you shouldn't pay, play xbox we won't get into that yeah. whole thing but, <laughs> no. I've but that's no why
0: I, the reason i asked the question about celebrate weird is that i think that is something worth celebrating we need totally. to like fly our freak flag a little more often and create okay. spaces for people to be weird and crazy and silly because yeah. because life is hard
1: Yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's tragedy, and there Mm -hmm. is, and we're dealing with, I mean, there's a lot, a lot to it. And it it, it is as you get older and older, it's clearer and clearer that things are not as they should be, and that we are living on this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, we still get to be here. And so what's the balance between relishing all that this is, but at the same time longing and yearning for what we know is next? Yeah heart balance,
0: man. I have, I have one more question. How has this conversation we've been having made me think, how has your work with IJM spiritually formed you? How, how has that affected your relationship with God and how you see God to see the horror? Oh,
1: the punchline of it is, is that it has made me closer to God and to understanding who God is than maybe anything ever would have. Mm. One is because IJM is so steeped in the disciplines of prayer that at first, to be quite transparent with you, it was a little bit weird. It was like, we're going on a prayer retreat four times a year. We get flown to Washington, D.C., to headquarters Mm -hmm. to hang out for a day or two and pray. And every day at 11 o'clock from 11 to 1130, we get online and we pray together as an organization. It's not HR updates. It's not like we just pray together for the work and we pray. every morning at eight thirty is 30 minutes of stillness where we mm-hmm. just kind of center our chi and pray and get ready for the day. Like it's a lot of prayer. And after a while it went from playing along to in mm-hmm. a way sort of almost feeling rejecting of it a little bit. Like I don't want to to like just sitting in the fact that this discipline has been, has turned into an obedience and the opportunity to pray has brought me I mean, I prayed more at IJN than I ever did as a pastor. And mm-hmm. that says more about me than it does about the church or or that specific church. If it says a lot mm-hmm. about it's about me. That was a statement on Eddie. And uh, just the dis- com- commitment to prayer. But at the same time, it is the most hopeful, funny, sarcastic, crazy group of people that I've ever been around. Because you're right, we're seeing, I mean, you know. In our orientation, we see videos of things, of the rescues, and it's the worst thing that I think a human could ever see. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, every day, every day in email, every day in prayer, over and over and over again, we see God proving that he is not ignoring people around the world. Because Mm -hmm. we know that we are not able to be a part of rescuing slaves because we are this group of really smart lawyers, it is not because of that. It is almost in spite of our own best Mm -hmm. efforts (laughs) that we just get this incredible front row seat to seeing God work over Mm -hmm. and over. And in case we forget, and in case we have stopped paying attention, it's going to happen again this morning, and it's going to happen again at 11 o'clock prayer. We're going to see it, we're going to see it, we're going to see it, because we cannot explain the things that we get to be a part of together at IJM. And so I think people think it's a really sad, but you were at Liberate. Yeah. It wasn't sad. No. And it's never, and it's hard to hear the things that we hear about. But at the same time, when we hear the things that are really hard, it makes us shoulder down and steal a resolve because we know mm-hmm. that we have asked God diligently and God is moved by the prayers of his people. Mm-hmm. And it happens. And so it has been, even in years following, the tragedy that happened at the church where I'm not quite sure. It's like I go back and forth on the church and it's hard mm-hmm. to know how to make heads or tails of that. Sometimes it's hard to show up on Sunday and sometimes mm-hmm. I just don't and there's a lot of still a lot of things that are hard in my heart like about that and I have to still wrestle with. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt that like God loves the church mm-hmm. and that God loves the people that are comprised of that and that he's moving. So I feel lucky to have found <laughs> an organization like I J M and I think for people listening it's not like go work for ijm but find the thing that you feel like god is doing in the world mm-hmm. and go do something like go be a part of that even in some small way because then you Just won't
0: do miss something. It. <laughs>
1: exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Just do something. That's exactly exactly
0: right. Yeah, thank you for sharing that cuz i oh. yeah. And it was that's what i saw at liberate it was i thought it was going to be more of a kind of a corporate yeah convention and it no. wasn't. It was so, yeah, prayer, yeah. God, this is his work. We're partnering with him in it. It was was a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you were there. I'm glad we were there together.
0: Yeah, me too. I just, too, want to really encourage my listeners to listen to The New Activist and to check out IJM. Are the videos, the, the short movies, are they on IJM's website? Can people go there and see them or see clips yeah. of them?
1: Uh, yeah, they're slowly being added. So everything okay. that everything that was shown at Liberate as it becomes publicly available will be on on YouTube. Some of it can't be because they're sens- It's sensitive. Right. And some of it uh, we're holding on to because it may be shown at events in the near future. But generally, if it's going to exist, it'll be on the IJM YouTube and follow the IJM social media. They're really good okay.
0: about and talking I'll- about all that. Okay, I'll put all that in the show notes, too. Those videos, yeah, are are so impactful. And if you are listening and you're wondering more about IJM and what is IJM and I want to know more, go there. I will put the link in the show notes so that you can see the videos and find out more about IJM and the new activist. And you too can become a freedom partner. Eddie alluded to it. I'm just I'll make the ask so he doesn't have to do it. If you want to become a freedom partner, you can do that and support IGM and what they're doing. Um, when I was at Liberate, my husband and I became freedom partners, which we're just really excited to be able to partner and to be a part of what IGM is doing and awesome. to yeah free slaves across the world. So go Sorry, and check it out. Sorry, no. I
1: interrupted your outro, but thanks for being a freedom partner. Yeah. It actually really matters a great deal. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you so much for making time to come on today. This was such a joy to talk to you and to hear more about your process and and how God has moved in that thread that he had through your life of of really having a heart for people and then how he honored that and has brought you into partnering with him in different ways. That's, thank you so much for sharing it.
1: Thank you. And thanks for setting the table. It has been a joy to be here.
0: Thank you for joining us today at the table. Any information mentioned in the show or things we talked about can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please leave a review so that others can find us too. If you want to keep up on what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us on all the social medias at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angie Smith MN. We'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast.